Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. So we are live on Facebook. Today is a special edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. We do this every Tuesday at 2 Eastern, and it's, it, it's um, thoughts, ideas, encouragement, empowerment, uh, learning, examples to learn from. It's, it's people who have something to share. And um, everybody here has been a guest on previous episodes of the Nonprofit Exchange. So we'll have some more people joining us. These are presenters for the Nonprofit Reactivation Symposium that's going to happen on May 1st. And I, I wanted uh, the presenters to give you their story about what they're going to share with you. And um, also, um, why? Why did they want to show up? I'm going to start with Dr. David Gruder. Um, and, and David... Um, You've been with me doing this kind of stuff for a way long time, back since water. Um, so, <laughs> so we've done, um, I've done, this is number 27 uh, of, of these live, live events. Um, now, this one's the first one that's virtual, and it's very different. So it was the Leadership Empowerment Symposium for years, and you and I started noodling on the title, and share a little bit about what we talked about and why we named this a reactivation symposium. Right. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be with you, Hugh, as always, and to be with these wonderful, esteemed colleagues who I, uh, I, I just so respect and, uh, and appreciate and love. Uh, the, the changes that are going on in our society right now that have been brought to the forefront through the COVID-19 crisis are changes that have been underway for a while in a, in a lower key manner, in a way that, that in a sense flew under the radar. And uh, because of what's been magnified through the COVID-19 crisis, we really are in the process of establishing what's being called a new norm. And Nonprofits are going to be dramatically impacted by this new norm. So what we at Cinevision Leadership Foundation are committed to doing is helping nonprofits stay ahead of that curve so that we craft the new norm uh, together as the nonprofit world so that nonprofits can play the, their proper place, uh, fill their proper place in the world in a more effective way in the new norm rather than to be drowned out because of the craziness that's going on as the new norm emerges. Craziness. Whoa. I love it. So we were talking a little bit before um, we officially started. I had a little technical glitch at my, my Zoom just disappeared off my computer but I've, I've got back into health. So we were talking about being busier than ever. So when somebody says, well, why do we need reactivation? You know, so, so you're gonna talk a little bit about, well, tell them what you're talking about. Sure. So the topic I'm going to be speaking on is re-envisioning leader development in the new normal. Uh, because th the things that have been emerging 
during this COVID crisis really illuminate the necessity of a kind of, I, I don't want to be dramatic here too much, but pretty much an overhaul of the, uh, of the vision of, of what is what leadership is going to need to include that people were thinking of as kind of optional before now, but, it, but now it's mandatory. And I'm going to be covering four key areas of new norm leadership and leader development in my talk. And we won't tell them exactly what that is yet. So Ooh, uh, it's a secret. You got to show up to find out. It's a secret. And um, each of you have recorded a little promo that we've put out on the internet and invited people to come. And the, the latest one I just got a few minutes ago was from Dr. Gordon. Yeah, um, we got some California people here. David Gruder, you're in uh, way south, Spanish-speaking. San Diego. San Diego. And uh, Theon, you're a little north of there and you're in Los Angeles. So uh, talk a little bit about um, why, what you're talking about and why. Uh, so yes, I'm Dr. Theon, and I will be talking about uh, shifting your crisis story through board leadership. And I'll be speaking in regards to how boards and executive directors uh, and organizations overall need to work together during the time of crisis more than ever. And no matter what, board leaders and, and their executives should always be in line step. But during a crisis, it's really important for the board to step up and take their leadership role and do it even in a, a more advanced way than they have in the past. And I'll be speaking about how board members can show up in that type of way. We'll be talking a little bit more about that. This is um, a special edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. You can find this wherever you find, get your podcast under the Nonprofit Exchange. You can also go to the nonprofitexchange.org and find the landing page that tells you what's the current current version, current issue, current episode, I guess is the word, and then the last episode, and then there's a link for six years worth of these interviews and, and group power sessions like today. Um, this particular event, we have a key sponsor, it's called Easy Card, and there's a link on the page, but Easy Card is, it's an amazing tool. Everybody that has the CenterVision Easy Card has CenterVision in the palm of their hand. So we can connect directly. So um, Greg Sanders is on, on the session today. Greg represents the, um, the uh, Easy Card company. It's his company, he founded it, but you're not just a guy that's a tech guy, are you? So just a little bit about Greg and why are you supporting the work of uh, CenterVision Leadership Foundation? You're muted. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, that always gets me. Um, I just want to say what a privilege it is, first of all, to to be here. And I understand this is a, a relatively informal gathering, so I did not wear suit and tie or anything like that. But um, I agree agree with Dr. Gruder. This time is a time of transition, and uh, so many people are learning new technical skills, supportive technologies to enable them to conduct business and do face-to-face -face meetings in this type of a venue as opposed to meeting at Starbucks and going to, to live venues. That's, uh, and not just business people, but their customers, right? If I'm gonna do an estimate and I'm gonna put a roof on your house, I'm not gonna come to your house anymore, I'm gonna say, hey, hop on your computer or hop on your phone. So 
the, the normal person on the street is also developing all of these online skills. So, you know, to David's point about nonprofits, every nonprofit I'm aware of works with the skeleton crew. They are time challenged, they are resource challenged, and they probably don't have time to think about what Dr. Gruder is going to talk about is how do you reset and reshape and reform. They're just trying to survive. So I think coming on Friday is so valuable. What we're doing at EasyCard is we're just the support of technology. So I'm not a major speaker. I just have a couple times where I'll just speak briefly about possibly using EasyCard along with Zoom or, or other technologies which move your message forward in this particular environment. So that's what EasyCard is, and I'll be explaining the benefits of, of EasyCard as essentially a mobile app. Uh, because when I think of a nonprofit, they've got to get their message out, they've got to raise money, they have to let the, their supporters know this is our valuable work that we're doing day in and day out. Any kind of videos that they have to show about if they're caring for children or at-risk populations, any way to get their message out there. Um, and they can do that with EasyCard as a mobile app on their phone. So that's what we'll be doing, and we're happy to support um, the, the event itself with an easy card. If you'd like to look at it, by the way, and share it with people to get a lot of people there uh, on Friday, you just text three letters, LDR, LDR, which is kind of an abbreviation for leadership, LDR to 64600. And then two things will happen. You'll get a link to your phone. You click the link, the easy card opens, and it, it could take you to the uh, Center Vision website it could take you, gives you all kinds of details about Friday's event. You can register, but it will also give uh, Hugh and the leadership team your mobile number so that they could send you text reminders of the event as well. So again, just text LDR64600. And we would like to provide similar technology to any nonprofit if we can help you do what you do better and help you raise more money. It's, a, it's an amazing tool. And I know David Gruder has one. And um, the others of you who've seen it, uh, Sharita, has joined us and um, she just saw it for the first time when I shared it with her a little while ago. So um, Bob Hopkins out there in Big D, Dallas, Texas, your recording is you wearing this, this 10 gallon, is it a 10 gallon hat you were wearing riding your horse? Bob is so, so passionate about philanthropy. He even named his horse philanthropy. <laughs> I did, I did and I do. Well, there's this kid that, that said to his dad, hey, your 10-gallon hat, it won't hold 10 gallons, it only holds four quarts. So uh, I tried it out. So tell us why, um, what you're gonna talk about and, um, and, um, and why you wanna talk about that. Well, it changes every uh, hour, uh, quite frankly. I just got off of the television looking at the president of Brown University talking about, and by the way, universities are nonprofit organizations talking about how the hundreds of thousands of colleges are going to stay afloat um, because they depend on tuition. Uh, a lot of kids aren't going back to school this, in this, at this time because they don't know what they're going to do and they don't have jobs anymore. So they're not going to be able to afford to go. And so I'm sure every board of directors of every university or college in the country is madly trying to figure it out. In fact, one of the people I invited to come today was Alf, not today, but on um, Friday as a student is Alphonse Brown. He's at a university um, in, um, in Florida, an African-American law university, the oldest one in the country. And he is 
trying to figure, he has board meetings all day Friday and all day Saturday, trying to figure out what they're going to do in the fall, not the summer. We've already figured out the summer. We're all doing Zoom, just like I do now, Zoom with my students. What are they going to do in the summer? What are they going to do with all those huge buildings with billions of square feet? But with students, I have students, I have 22 to 24 students in my classroom. We cannot handle six feet apart and two, 24 to 26. And if every classroom doesn't have 24 to 26, they're going to lose money. So a lot of hundreds, thousands of, they said thousands of colleges will have to close coming up. So anyway, I'm thinking about that. Then I'm thinking about my students. My students um, have been introduced to the nonprofit sector by in my class because I teach communications with a focus on nonprofit management. But I'm thinking about them um, because what are they going to get out of it and what message do I want to give them? I have a requirement for all my students to come to this class on Friday. It's uh, half of their final. Then they have to write a critique on what they experienced, what they got out of it, uh, as 50 points, the other 50 points, they have to write their eulogy. And so the, uh, they probably want to die by the time they <laughs> end up after the semester anyway, so their eulogy might be appropriate. I don't know. But, um, you know, I'm going to look at what you all are going to talk about, and then I'm going to try to fit in so that I'm not talking about the same thing. You know, I'm listed to, to speak about um, boards of directors as well as, you know, um, as is it Theoni? Yeah, Theon. Theon, as, the, as well as Theon. And there's so many avenues of how to talk about board of directors, how to get them, how to keep them, um, you know, how to, how many to get, what are their responsibilities, all of those kinds of things. And I think though, and you already messaged it, messaged it to me right now, is how are they going to stay afloat? And I think that's what boards of directors are going to really want to know when they come to see us, when we're talking about nonprofit management and organizations, is how are we gonna stay afloat? And what is the new normal going to be? And I think that changes every day too, because we're supposed to, in Texas, open up on last Friday. We opened up last Friday. I went to the bank just now, and um, there was one man in there without a mask on. I had, you saw me, I took off my mask. There was one man in there without a mask on, and I went to the teller, not to, not to the teller, to the president who's sitting over in the corner and said, is it a requirement to wear masks now? And he said, yes, it is, but we're not enforcing it. It's a thousand dollar fine, but we're not enforcing it. I said, why not? It's a rule and a law. And if I have to do it, they have to do it because I'm not being protected, but they're being protected from me anyway. So I said, you need to talk about that. So I don't know. I just tell you every minute I find something different, how our lives are going to change not just from the board level, but from the people who come to participate with us, all of them are not going to be board members. They're going to be people who maybe are not even involved in the nonprofit sector in the living and or in a vocation, but as maybe just a volunteer. Bob and I met recently when I, my wife was going to Dallas for a, a conference or a, uh, at SMU, and we were induced by a guest on my show who were the founders of Barefoot Winery. Um, they accidentally founded a winery. It was a great story. So go look at that story on the nonprofit exchange. But they introduced me to Bob and we connected. So Bob, you got a book in your in your hand there? Hugh, um, I'm so, so far, sorry you asked. <laughs> this is my book. It's called Philanthropy Misunderstood. 
And boy, howdy, is that appropriate at the, at the time? Because I think it should be management misunderstood, nonprofits misunderstood, our planet misunderstood. Um, my next book is going to be called Philanthropy Understood. So hopefully in the next two years, we'll figure that out too. Sharita and Theon will have some stories for you. They have a massive amount of connections and nonprofits they've worked with. So the new normal, Bob, is you go into a bank with a mask on. It used to be if you went into a bank with a mask on, they were nervous. Now, when you don't have a mask on, they're nervous. So the new normal is the opposite polarity. Well, they're still nervous because they arrested two men and asked them to leave. Oh, and man. unfortunately, you people of color will understand this. These were two black men with two black masks on. And the people behind the counter were uncomfortable with them and asked them to leave, oh. not knowing whether or not they had a billion dollars in the bank or whether they were there for whatever reason. It didn't matter. But I, we got a lot of challenges coming up. Wow. Sharita, on that happy note, <laughs> unmute, unmute yourself and uh, tell folks, uh, Bob has been a lifelong uh, champion of nonprofits. He has been a CFRE with uh, fundraising professionals and He's done a whole lot of stuff. He's a wee bit older than me. Um, so finally, I'm in a group that I have one person that's my senior. So my sister Sharita out there in, uh, where are you, Arkansas now? I am actually in Hattieville, Arkansas, of all names, right? <laughs> I know Hattieville. <laughs> you do. But you know what? Uh, the, the fact, Hugh, and, and for all of you, that I'm even here in Hattieville. When I was a young girl, do you guys remember Petticoat Junction? Sure. Oh, yeah, sure. I used to want to live there. I loved Betty Joe, Billy Joe, Bobby Joe. I loved Uncle Joe. I loved the, the pig Arnold. And see, most people did not realize how much I am a country girl. And I'm telling you that story because what I'm going to be talking about on Friday is how there are grants there, uh, there are grants that exist even now that will allow you to live your most unbelievable dreams. And that's what I'm going to be talking about on Friday because I'm living my dream. I'm, I'm sitting here on 30 acres of land that has been passed down in my family for over a hundred years. It's been a hundred and it's been over almost 50 years since my great grandfather passed away and anyone has lived here. And I am truly, I'm, it's not a cliche for me. I'm living my best life right now in an RV with chickens and guinea and my other, you, you'll hear some noise out there. He's out there spraying. And that's what I'll be talking about. Very nice. And thank you, Hugh, for having me on with these other experts. Well, we got, we got actually, uh, I renamed it wrong, but we got, we got um, um, Will Coleman. He's, he's a great musician out there in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's on, we're, uh -huh. we're gonna have, hoping we'll have a, uh, Dr. Williams here in just a minute. Um, so I see that he's coming on now. Yeah, he, I put his name on there. That uh, Will is logged in. He peeped in a little bit. We also have a presenter yeah. who's not here, um, Bishop Ebony Kirkland. And if you, by the way, if you go to the uh, landing page, the registration page for the symposium, um, and, and you, folks, you can find it at nonprofitleadership.live, L-I-V-E, L-I-V-E, nonprofitleadership.live. And um, I'm watching my phone. People are registering, you know, one at a time. They're starting to register today. It's exciting. And so we want to we fill the house because there's so much important work, so much important work to do. Uh, 
David put it in the chat to panelists, nonprofitleadership.live. And if you click on the pictures for these good looking people, a video will pop up and they'll have, they'll have an invitation for you as to what they're talking about a little more detail and um, why you should come. Now, this word reactivation, it's a, it's a mystery word for some of us because we're working as hard as we can. And it's, it's a new era. It's an important era. And Bob, um, Bob's going to, he's invited students. He's, he's in the classroom again. He's been, he, he's worn a lot of hats, but I got to tell you, I've been in his class with his students and they, they come to our nonprofit uh, leadership uh, group on Thursdays and you are inspiring a new group of leaders, a profound group of leaders coming up. So, uh, there's a lot of potential, untapped potential for people who might get overlooked. And I remember, Bob, when I was 18, I got a chance to conduct when I was nothing but potential. And so somebody like you believed in me. And somebody like you said, Hugh, well, give it a go. And so I, I was able to step up into a, a whole career. So a whole career. So I, uh, I hear, see, do we have Will Coleman or... Dr. Williams uh, out there in in, uh, in uh, Greensboro. I don't know who's on the line there, but somebody's logged in. But let's go back to uh, David Gruder for a minute. And I want to ask any of you just to to, to shout out when you can. Um, this is such an important occasion. Um, I've seen lots and lots. Bob just talked about colleges who are a specific type of nonprofit big universities with big budgets and a lot of foundations, a lot of history are really having challenging times. Imagine the small community organization that really wants to feed people, close people, house people. They're just working on a bare strings budget. And so David, what's important for our mindset? What's important for how do we equip ourselves to rethink leadership and rethink our work? Oh my, well, okay. So short, version is that we need to shift our what's called in psychology our locus of control right now in society there is uh, an external locus of control and what locus of control has to do with is how a person centers their ideas about where control lives and right now a lot of people are thinking that society and government and COVID-19 and external circumstances are the boss of them. And that is a mindset that is a surefire recipe for victimization, powerlessness, and empty, unhelpful forms of rebellion. That has to shift into what in psychology is called an internal locus of control, where I'm the boss of the future I create. I'm the, the boss of my own stories that I tell myself and the emotions that I have and responses to in response to those stories and the words and actions that I say and I do in response to the emotions I have about the stories I create. And that is a, a skill set that's developable and it is a crucial skill set not only for leaders to embody, but for teams to be trained in how to do because without that there will be no conscious elevated spiritual architecting of 
a new norm that is helpful to humanity rather than harmful to humanity. You know, David Gruder says things and I say, gosh, I wish I could have put those words together like that. He's a wordsmith of a, a champion, champion wordsmith. So um, somebody else, uh, take, a, take a, anything else that you want to share. Uh, Theon, I was so impressed by your short video. Of course, I was impressed by all of them, but I, yours is in mind because I got it at the latest. Um, it was passionate. <laughs> and you've worked with boards, used to have a, a major foundation send you out to do board capacity building. And so why is it so important for us to learn ourselves as leaders, to equip ourselves as leaders, to grow our boards and to engage our boards at a higher level? Well, it's really important, uh, Hugh, thanks for the compliment on the video that you had me do at the last minute. But <laughs> Why it's really, it's really important for us as leaders to um, really engage and interact with our boards because our boards are what make our organizations. They have, they hold the fiduciary responsibility for our nonprofit organizations, which means if they're not walking in line step with the executives and the team uh, at the organizational level, you absolutely could slip and fall. Your board is your, it, it's kind of like your safety net. They're looking at things, their, their role is to actually make sure the organization is staying afloat, is sustainable, is doing what it says it's supposed to do, staying in line with the vision, the mission, and uh, your board is your support system. And so it's important for leaders to understand the relationship and the role that they have with their board members. The foundation that I worked with prior was the Annenberg Foundation in here in Los Angeles. And uh, we did do capacity building by teaching board leaders how to work in, a, in alignment with the executive director. And the program was designed, it was called Alchemy. So it was a magical program to bring together the executive director, a support person or champion and the board chair. And all of these people had to come together in the program, which we would do quarterly. They, we came for classes and learning how to work together, how to build uh, the capacity of the organization, and even how to fundraise. Um, and with them working hand in hand, they were able to have much higher success rates. So it's important for leaders to understand the importance of their board and what their board roles are. A lot of times, especially with small organizations, when you start your organization, it's like, oh yeah, my mom's on my board and my brother, and my sister down north or whatever. And, and they have no idea. They're just like, yeah, sure, you can put my name down. They have no idea what it means to be responsible on a board. They don't know anything about board governance. So it's important for us, to, for leaders who want to start these nonprofits to understand your board is a serious thing. It's not just your mom and grandmom and everybody who said, yeah, we should do that. That sounds cool. And then you're, you're selling pies or chicken dinners or whatever it is to raise your money. That's great. But if you have a board that understands their fiduciary responsibility, they're going to say, we can sell these chicken dinners, but we also have to expand and talk to somebody like Sharita about how we find grant funding and how we're in alignment with that and how we stay with our vision and our mission. Because if you're working with Saving the chickens, selling chicken dinners might not be a good idea. So absolutely, it's important absolutely. for us to, to know what we're doing and to make sure that our boards know their roles. I want to get Sharita on here a minute. She's got a, I, I told folks they could come and go as they needed to. Uh, Sharita has got some family issues. And so 
she needs to go tend to some of those important things. So Sharita, uh, she kind of set you up for this, uh, this thing <laughs> that you're going to talk about with, with, you know, everybody thinks, oh, like there's, there's grants. It's going to be just, just, it's a smooth road going out there. You just send an application. People are going to give you all this money. So we got to learn some things as leaders, don't we? Well, yes. Well, for one, grant funders are investors like any other investor, Hugh. And people think that there's a magic potion or something when it comes to grants for the nonprofit arena. And that's why, Hugh, another time when you and I worked together and I wrote that article titled uh, Nonprofit, the Stepchild of Business, people treat a nonprofit like it's a side gig or a hobby. And, and, and so they, they don't put much into it. And they might submit one grant or two grants and then don't receive it and say, see, everyone told me not to do this. But they've been trying to get money for their for-profit business for 20 years and kept, and kept trying until they succeeded. But they, they will not put much into the nonprofit arena, but expect a greater return. And that's what tends to happen. But when you're going after grants, it's also a joint, um, um, it's a joint uh, process with the executive or whoever they choose to work with the person that's writing the grants. Because even myself, I've raised over 30 million. We developed over 600 organizations. But there is absolutely no way to, to just take it upon myself and write about my clients, uh, their accomplishments without their, without their assistance. I'm very good at what I do, but I'm only as good as the information received. But people expect you to just, you know, they just say, I just need a grant for a building. And for the grant writer to just write about it without their input. Well, the grant writer doesn't know their accomplishments. It doesn't know who they've worked with in the past as far as collaborations. They don't know their projects. And so it has to be a joint effort in order to make it happen. And so, yes, like you said, Hugh, I, I, lost, I lost a very dear uncle this morning and I, had made, I tried to clear my calendar to be on here with you. And then I got the call this morning that my uncle passed away. So we're work, I'm working on a, on a couple of things, but before I leave, it's also important for people just today or yesterday it was reported that a director of ER, a nurse committed suicide. And I don't know if you guys talked about it before I got on, but she also, she's in New York at the major hospital or was, had contacted, had gotten contacted uh, with coronavirus herself while treating patients, got well, went back to work and yesterday committed suicide. Oh. And see the organizations are need, after every catastrophe, whether it's Katrina, whether it was the 1930s um, uh, depression, after every catastrophe, it doesn't stop there. There's going to be an aftermath and there's cause and effect. Organizations are going to need, need to get prepared for depression, suicide prevention, uh, PTSD, while also like professionals like ourselves, helping people to regain themselves after this. And with, with every issue or with every problem, there's grant funding. That's why grants are there to address problems and issues, which is why the nonprofit arena, and you hear about grants even more during times like this. It's not that it backs up and operates less, the nonprofit arena steps up more. And so it's important to understand that, 
understand how you can have um, get really stabilize your footing and then understand the process of how to now go after funding in order to to ride this wave yes it, it is a negativity that has happened right now yes we're losing lives yes a lot of businesses right now are closed but if we understand how to how to um ride the wave of, of what's happening right now in addition to knowing how to survive and move forward in it that's what i'll be talking about again hugh i thank you for having me on including me with these other experts and then also hi will how are you it's been years it's good to see you and please tell pastor hello and i do want to speak with you guys following all of this and um you guys david gruder uh, greg uh uh, uh theron um and Rob, all of you, I look forward to being with you on Friday. And you guys have a, a very blessed day. Blessings, Our Sharita. My heart's you with you. Our hearts go out Thank to you, you and your family, Sharita. Thank yes. you so, so much. Thank have you for a great day. time today. Blessings. So, Will Coleman, out there in, in Raleigh, do you have Pastor with you? What, can you hear me? It's yeah, like you're uh, he's not, we're not together right now. Okay. Just want to see if he's going to going to be able to come. So we're we're going to end up here uh, in a, in a little bit. So okay. uh, um, let's. Uh, so that was that was so profound. So I think it's time for some summary summary statements. And um, I'd like to start with uh, Bob Hopkins. This uh, every time I talk to Bob Hopkins, I'm amazed at the the depth of knowledge that he has about a lot of different topics. And you know, he's living the sweet life. He could be just tending his garden, but he's out there um, inspiring students and teaching. And he's uh, and he's joined the Center Vision team and wants to help us, you know, take the magazine up another level and do some work with us. So, uh, Bob, blessings to you and sharing your gifts and thank you for being a part of this presenter team. What um, what do you want to say? We're going to wrap up here. Let everybody have a have a minute to say something. So, what additional would you like to add to the conversation? Well, um, I'm, I'm anxious to read the, the content again of everybody and what we're going to do and where I kind of fit in. And of course, I'm going to be there for the entire time. So a lot of it may be off the top of my head after I've learned what I have heard from you, because I don't want to go on a tan tangent that doesn't have some relationship to what we're already talking about. So I'm, I'm think I'm... I think there's a time when we all speak for maybe 20 minutes at a time at about 11 or 11.30 or something like that, Hugh. And then I'm later on in the afternoon at like 3.30, so I'm kind of like the last speaker, so I kind of get to by myself, and therefore, I, I, at least that was the first schedule I saw. I've, I've messed with it, Bob, because we had, um, we, had some, we had some changes I had to make. So I'm gonna send that out to you here right after the session. But uh, you do have uh, several times that, that, that you're gonna be able to influence people and share some of your stuff. And, yeah. um, and I've, I've, um, I've um, uh, had to rework it. Um, our, our Bishop Kirkland in New York couldn't be here today. She is, um, she, city of New York has her going around talking to people about working together, collaborating. And she's gonna share with us Friday about that. So we'll get a report of how that's going in New York City. So, and Bob, you could speak off the top of your head all day and not duplicate yourself. You got such a wealth of information. Basically, um, we're gonna talk about, uh, I'm gonna ask you to talk about philanthropy and his book is, is brilliant. He lifted it up a minute ago, but your book is 
hundred and something stories, over a hundred stories of nonprofits and how philanthropy really works. And we think we know what philanthropy is, but it really, it really is different. And how do boards connect with that? You've got a lot of experience in running nonprofits as well as being a resource to them. So we've, we've had to make the schedule a little bit fluid, um, but um, it's not, not a whole lot different. I've moved you up in the day a little bit. So, but, but you know, whenever you talk, uh, people are gonna listen. It's like one of those big investment companies when they talk, like you, we all listen. So uh, knowing that um, you're gonna have great gifts to, to share. So don't, don't, don't put yourself down. You've got a whole lot of, of, of important stuff to share. And so, so thank you for being a part of this uh, great presentation team. Thank you. Um, so Greg Sanders, um, why is the work of a nonprofit so important and why are you sponsoring Center Vision? Unmute yourself. Thanks again. My mother and my father were both university teachers. My mom was in uh, foreign languages, Spanish. My mother was in, my father was in music and I taught sociology for 30 years. I have a big uh, heart for students that can't figure out what the heck they're going to do with their lives when they're 18 to 22, which is really one of the most important things I felt like I did when I was working at the university was not just transmitting content, but helping people, people to figure out their futures. And I think about Dr. Gruder that's, you know, known for integrity. Um, my feeling is that everything that we do should be of service to other people. And I love the nonprofit organization because they wear right on their on their the sleeve of, of the, what they wear that we're here to serve. Businesses should have that same mindset. If if what you do is not improving the quality of life for other people, you should go do something else, right? And and that's what that's what Easy Card attempts to do. You know, I tell people if you're going to build a house, you could do it with your bare hands, but it's a lot better to do it with tools, right? Even some power tools because if you spend a dollar for a power tool, it's going to help you save hundreds of dollars in building that house. And that's really what we're trying to do at EasyCard is if the technology fits and helps people to do what they have chosen to do to help other people in a more efficient manner, that's, that's what we're all about. And I just, and I think, you know, we're right. We need to rethink the way that we're doing everything and we need to think about it in terms of helping other people. I, I remember just recently, you know, we're, we're trying to make money and stuff like that. And during this period of time, but we're also caring for people. I had one, one middle-aged adult was talking about caring for her 88 year old mother right now and saying, you know, my mom was healthy. She went out with her friends. She went to restaurants. She had a very active life. Now she's cooped up in the house and she's just like wasting away. She's no longer able to actively engage and we were, and the advice is, well, maintain your normal life as best you can, even having to shelter in place. How can you maintain the routines? How can you maintain life as normal? And it's that kind of strategic thinking that nonprofit organizations have to be maintained in. You can't do some things the way you did them before, but you can make a semblance of those activities and try to keep those healthy routines in place. So I'm just privileged to be a part of it. And uh, we're gonna be trying to drive some traffic uh, to what's happening on Friday from the easy card side. Thank you so much. So text six, four, six, five numbers, six, four, six, zero, zero. You send a text to that number. And in the message, you put L D R it's shortened leader L D R and it's the number six, four, six, zero, zero. You'll have the center vision card. Uh, Dr. Gordon, 
Um, how would you like to, what's your last thing you'd like to share with people? Well, Hugh, I hope you can uh, keep David, Greg, Bob, and Will, because I plan on putting on my mask and definitely kidnapping Bob from Texas. So Bob, don't pay attention. I'm going to be grabbing you and bringing you to California. Greg, my I've already texted. bags are packed. <laughs> I've already texted Greg's site, and, and I'm excited about that. David, you know how I feel about you. Will, I just met you. But this is going to be an amazing symposium. I'm just excited to be a part of it. And anyone who misses it, you are about to miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime. And I think that's what we have to understand as nonprofit leaders and people in this space that this isn't, and I'll speak also from just as an African-American woman, this isn't our first time in a crisis. We kind of know how to get through a crisis. Right. Nonprofits, we are used to not having a whole lot that's and right. making a lot happen. That's right. So in this crisis, we're the leaders. We actually know what to do already. Our yep. leadership style is what everybody else is trying to do. We've right. been doing this makeshift thing for a long time. That's so right. we have such an opportunity to take this thing by the horns and make an opportunity of it. And that's what I want to talk about with the board leadership as well. The, when board leaders step up right now, there is all sorts of opportunity for us to really come out of this thriving and leading it during this crisis as well as through this crisis to help us get through it. Um, there's so much opportunity and with the people that are gonna be at this symposium, wow, you're gonna get the ideas, you're gonna get the information, you're gonna have the knowledge that you need to break through and yep. make a change in your organization. So I'm just excited, Hugh, let's make it happen. Bob, don't look for me, but I am coming to get you. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's awesome. Uh, you might have noticed I'm an old white guy, so sometimes we're clueless. But, you know, s some of us know how to dress, but not me. So, Will, did you say pastor is on here? We have, uh, we have Yes, you are on. Sorry? I said, yes, you I am on. Hey, blessings. Do you have a picture or are you just going to talk to us? I'm just going to talk to you. I don't have a picture today. Well, um, it, thank you for being here. Um, all of us have crazy schedules, but um, we have some awesome, awesome folks. I, don't, I think maybe you can see them on the screen here. But you're going to talk about, um, Paul said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Uh, talk about the, the transformation that, that you're going to talk about. Um, you're going to be square up at noon Eastern time at the symposium. It's the spot before we take a lunch break. And so tell us why we need that and why you want to share that with people. You're muted. Hey there. It's muted. I'm going to try to, I tried to unmute. Can't, can't do that. Oops. Do we, are we having uh I can't hear. Okay. Um, Pastor? Can you guys hear me? I got you now. Uh, did you hear my question? Uh, yeah, um, about um, um, renewing of your mind. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, right now, I think one of the greatest challenges that, that could hinder 
any individual is to be stuck in an old way of thinking. Uh, this, uh, everything that has trans, transpired recently uh, has caused two waves of thought. One wave is people uh, believing that things will go back to the way that they were, which is a very dangerous mindset. And the other thought is understanding that they're not going to go back the way that they were, but also understand what's getting ready to come. Anytime that there is going to be advancement, either you're going to be a reactionary person or you're going to be an initiating individual. Uh, thought leaders nowadays have to initiate so that we can provoke other people to initiate and not be reactionary. Usually if you're reactionary, um, you're going to suffer the consequences of reacting. But when your mind is renewed, uh, when Paul talks about that, he's talking about a renovation of taking out some old things, almost like renovating a house, taking out some old things and literally changing the scope of the house and the aspect of it so that it can meet your current needs. The same thing happens in the mind, that if a person doesn't transform their thinking and get out of the old stuck way of thinking, then they're going to ultimately implode and damage themselves. But when an individual uh, comes into a mind renewal, and this is why symposiums like this is key and important, because what you have then is you have thought leaders that are ultimately like construction workers. And what we're doing is we're um, aiding the individual to renovate their thinking, because in this renovation, People are not just going to learn about what's new, but also they're going to also learn the type of thinking that they should have that has hurt them before, but also is going to help them now, because now we're open to a new way of thinking. If you look at what's happening with the United States, look at what's happening with the government, look at what's happening um, with the marketplace, everything is shifting. Look at uh, stocks, look at um, um, the um, I think they, the, the, uh, you got uh, different kinds of currency now. Uh, cryptocurrency is what I was thinking of. And so all of these different things that, that are happening, our mind has got to be renewed. And then the next thing is that we've got to make sure that we don't fall into the hands of something that we don't ascribe to. Because with all of this that is happening, um, you know, that by being a faith leader, I understand that God has an agenda, but even though that God has a focus and a vision for all of us, so does the enemy. And we've got to make sure that we're not operating in something that looks like it has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. So as thought leaders, one of the things that, that I believe that is important is that our thinking definitely has to change in order for us to be effective um, for this coming um, for this coming time and for this generation right now that is depending on us to see something for them that they cannot see for themselves. Awesome. So, um, Dr. Williams, uh, it's been a few years, but you invited me down to work with your congregation. We did some leadership stuff, and then Will and I did some music stuff. But also, the very first symposium out of 27 happened in Greensboro at your church. Did you know that? Wow. 
27. You know, I knew that we did the symposium. I didn't, I didn't know it was the first one. <laughs> yeah, 27. That was inspiration. That was a, a shorter one. It was a, an evening. And uh, you put out the word and everybody came. I remember Bishop Willowman oh, yeah. said, you know, I asked somebody why they came and they said, because pastor said to come. <laughs> he was quite impressed. He was quite impressed with that. So this is number 27. It's changed a little bit. And of course, we can't do it live right now. So we're doing it virtual. So uh, um, it's a celebration of uh, something that we started in Greensboro at New Jerusalem Cathedral. So thank you for helping me launch this so many years ago. Oh, most definitely. I always want to be a part of things that you're doing. Well, blessings. You've been a blessing to me, and thank you for being here. And uh, you're sharing it with your tribe, uh, Dr. Gordon, Bishop Kirkland, who's not here. She's, she's out there in New York City helping them get people together to collaborate. So she's doing some important work today, uh, but she'll be with us uh, on Friday. And so May 1st, uh, be there. And I'm, I'm, thank you for, for getting in here. And uh, as we close out here, my brother, David Gruder, um, you get you get the last spot, and you know you know Dr. Williams, don't you? I think we know each other. Yes, from yes. Uh, we've not talked or seen each other for a number of years, but I'm really delighted to reconnect. So, what do you want to leave us with on this? This has been a great conversation. So, what I want to leave you all with is a quote from a 20th century thought leader that many of you are familiar with by name, at least. Buckminster Fuller. And what Bucky Fuller said was the best way to predict the future is to invent it. This Friday, we're going to be talking about how nonprofits get to invent their future in effective, useful ways. And I'm really looking forward to offering some key psychological foundations for inventing a new future. And you've got well, a book, you got a book, and you want to offer, you'll offer a virtual version of that if people at the end of the day on Friday, you want to tell us just quickly about that? Very briefly, yeah, I've been involved in one capacity or another with 24 books now. And one of them is uh, a book I was the psychology editor for called Transcendent Thought and Market Leadership. Uh, and that is by Bruce Raymond Wright. And I have been blessed by Bruce to be able to offer a digital copy of Transcendent Thought and Market Leadership as a gift to everyone who attends the symposium on Friday. And we'll have some other guests, but that's a significant one. So uh, David, thank you for being here. Kevin, thank you for being here. Craig, thank you for being here. Bob, thank you for being here. Theon's going to capture you, take you to, to California, and he can do a book signing there. Philanthropy. He's, he's going to do that in, in California. So thank you all for being here. And I look forward to putting the spin on nonprofit leadership in a good way and inspiring people to go out there and make a huge difference. So thank you so much for sharing today with, uh, with everybody. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Appreciate it, Hugh. Have a great thank one. A real joy. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>